This sermon is brought to you by Buford Road Baptist Church. The speaker today is Pastor Tony Cahoot. Well, this morning, I'd like for you to take your Bibles and turn with me to Psalms chapter 71. And uh, again, we are currently in our series, The Anchor Holds. And uh, this morning is the fourth message in this series. And uh, it is entitled, When Disruptions Dim Our View. And I want you to think about this. And if you have something to write on today, take some notes, use your outline this morning. There are places for you to write. And and I do pray that uh, today's message will be a blessing to you. We're talking about how to deal with life's brutal interruptions and disruptions. Life is not always easy. We all know that. Everybody in this auditorium today could stand to give a testimonial about that. Maybe you had a very difficult childhood. Maybe your teenage years were ruffled around all edges. And maybe you're finding yourself challenged in your older years. This morning, I pray that something that we say in this message will be a blessing to your heart, and it's all designated and designed to bring you hope and encouragement. Don't get stuck on gloom and despair and the agony of defeat. There's a silver lining. The Lord Jesus, first of all, let me remind you of this. He not only loved us enough to die for us, he loves us enough to want to spend eternity with us. And the best part about all of that is he's coming again for us real soon. And so there's a lot to think about in the hope and in the light of God's word that will bring us encouragement. And so this morning we're talking about when disruptions dim our view. I'm going to read for you in just a few moments Psalms chapter 71. And I'm going to begin reading in verse number one. There are various scriptures Uh, in this particular psalm that I'm going to refer to. They'll get these scriptures on the screens for you. You can follow along, and I do pray that it will be a blessing to you. Now listen carefully. Disruptions is what we're talking about. Interruptions. Sometimes they're brutal. Let me remind you of something. God knows himself very well how to deal with disruptions. I want you to put yourself in the seat of God just for a moment, not suggesting to take his place, but I want you to identify with this. God knows very well how to deal with interruptions. Everything was good in heaven until Lucifer said, I'm going to exalt my throne above the stars of heaven. And I'm going to come back to that at the end of the message today. But somewhere along the line, I want you to remind yourself that God knows what it's like to deal with these kinds of things that happen in our life. One of the hardest things about disruptions and interruptions in our life is that none of us are ever ready for them. They don't send us a notification six weeks ahead of time and say, hey, by the way, next month on the 15th, you better buckle up. Doesn't work that way. In Psalms chapter 71, I want you to look at the scripture here, beginning in verse number one. The Bible says, in thee, now David is the one writing this particular psalm. 
He said, in thee, O Lord, do I put my trust. Let me never be put to confusion. Deliver me in thy righteousness and cause me to escape and climb thine ear unto me and save me. Be thou my strong habitation whereunto I may continually resort. Thou hast given commandment to save me. For thou art my rock and my fortress. And verse 5. For thou art my hope, O Lord God. Thou art my trust from my youth. In verse 7, I am as a wanderer, or I as a wonder unto many, but thou art my strong refuge. Verse 9, cast me not off in the time of old age. Forsake me not when my strength faileth. In verse 18, now also when I am old and gray-headed, O God, forsake me not until I have showed thy strength unto this generation and thy power to everyone that has come. And so again, I want to remind you this morning that I'm speaking on this when disruptions dims our view. I don't know really how many times as a Christian I have found myself in exhausting circumstances where the only thing I wanted to do was simply to be held in the loving arms of my heavenly father. You say, preacher, you? I mean, of all people, preacher, are you saying that there are times in your life when life gets to be overwhelming and life seems to be exhausting to where it affects you to a place where you just want to move into a solitary place. Jesus, the Bible teaches us that Jesus resorted oftentimes to a solitary place to pray. Many times the word says that on occasion he withdrew himself. And I will tell you, there are times in my life when all I want is a solitary place where I can withdraw myself simply wanting to be held in the loving arms of our Heavenly Father. Many of you, I believe, can identify with what I'm talking about today. Some of you this morning are very familiar with the old poem, and it's been around for years and years, but you're familiar with the old poem. It's called Footprints in the Sand. Some of you very well may have that poem beautifully framed, hanging on the wall of your house somewhere. I wonder if you've ever taken the time to study that just a little bit. I can remember many years ago I was in a home and there was a picture on the wall of a great banquet table and it was, it was decorated very beautifully. It was a scene typifying a table in heaven. And it had a lot of clouds and the sun was breaking through. And again, the table was beautifully decorated. And I wasn't quite sure at that point if this was not trying to be some type of modernized version of the Lord's Supper. And I asked the owner of the house when I was fellowshipping with him, I said, is this a picture of 
You're suggesting here in this picture of the Lord's Supper. And he said, no, Pastor. He said, that's a picture of the next supper. And I got to thinking about that. You study something like that real hard and you can understand. I mentioned this a couple of weeks ago that they'll not be able to eat supper till we get there. Some of us will go early, but none of us will go late. It was a beautiful picture. And I studied that and I've thought about that many times. But some of you may have this picture footprints in your house. I wonder if you've ever studied it. It's well known throughout the world. But when you see that picture there and you find those footprints, I wonder how many times have you ever wanted to be the person in the picture? Think about that. You just wanted simply to withdraw yourself from the toils and the pressures of life, the brutality of some of the interruptions that have come your way, and you just simply wanted to be the one carried. Have you ever been there? I will tell you I have because some of the things that you go through, I'm talking about bad adversities. Maybe you found yourself in a situation where you really didn't think that you could go through another day. Your heart was so broken and overwhelmed with stress and things and life. But let me say this. Some of you may be in that spot right now. I know many times after a sermon is over with someone, when we were standing in the lobby shaking hands at the end of the service and the line would come through and people would say various things to me about the message, some people would take the time and say, Preacher, I think you were preaching straight to me. Did my wife talk to you this week? And I would say, no, God bless you. And another would come and say, the Lord spoke to my heart today in this way, and it was completely different than what the other thought. But that's just the marvelous way that the Holy Spirit works. He speaks to our hearts, though we hear the word this morning collectively. There's probably some people here and watching that are going through overwhelming circumstances. And you're thinking, hey, that thing about the footprints in the sand, that's me. That's where I want to be right now. But let me say this. I have found that the best way to face these kinds of circumstances. I'm talking about when you don't feel like praying. I'm talking about when you plug into Romans 8, 26 and you say, I just want the spirit of living God to pray for me and make intercessions for me with groanings that cannot be uttered. I don't know how to pray. I don't have the strength to pray. But let me encourage you with something. I found the best way to experience this kind of a situation when you feel like you are just completely overwhelmed is to reach for your Bible Now, you might say, preacher, that sounds extremely too shallow, but I want to remind you of something that, and it's a spiritual truth that I hope that you'll hang on to. When you reach for your Bible, God is reaching back to you. When we pray, we talk to him, but when we open our Bible and begin to read our Bible, we give him the opportunity to speak to us. And the word says this, if you draw nigh to me, I'll draw nigh to you. So when you feel that you're overwhelmed and you want to be the the person in the footprints of the sand picture, remember this, reach for your Bible, even if you don't feel like it, and say, Holy Spirit, lead me and guide me because God will reach back to you. I think it's incredibly important this morning, just for a few moments, to look at the background of the scripture that we're reading today. In fact, that's good always to know the who, what, when, where's, and how's. 
You know exactly who's doing the talking. Danny taught a wonderful Sunday school lesson today, by the way, in the master's class. I was sitting in the back and I heard him say, and he made reference to multitudes of people in the Bible who had the same name. How many people in the Bible that had the name Simon? How many people had the name James? And he went on here. But you to know who, what, when, where, and how, and sometimes the geography and all of these things, it's good to know the background of what we're talking about, especially here in the Psalms. Now, let me give you this very quickly. In Psalms chapter 71, this fits the title and the message so well. David is desperately wanting to be held. David is wanting to be the guy in the footprints of the sand. He's at that place. He's, he's very despondent, and he was weak in all areas of his life. Storms had blown in on him, and they were swelling all around him. He was, again, he was almost inactivated. And so the thing that he does under this despondency that he was experiencing, he reached for his pen, and under the divine inspiration of the Holy Spirit, David penned the words of Psalms 71. You have to know that he was completely overwhelmed when he wrote this. Now, Psalms chapter 70, David is really giving us a sequel, I believe, as he launches into Psalms 71. But here's the background. Let me give this to you real quickly here so you'll understand. I think you'll appreciate Psalm 71 more so if you have an idea of what's going on. David, at this particular time, he is going through some horrific political issues. He's going through some family issues. His heart is broken with uncountable personal sorrows. At this particular point in life, it's been quite some time since he's seen any type of sunshine, any light at the end of the tunnel. It's been a long time since he's felt peace and he has felt refreshed. The fog that was going on before him was so thick he couldn't see six feet in front of him, spiritually speaking. And the minister of this discouragement had confused him and had consumed him and he was at a very vulnerable place in his life and while I'm mentioning that let me ask you the question have you ever felt that way I mean has there been times in your life when you felt as though life was just a continual total eclipse where your life was just centered and surrounded by darkness where things were just pulling you out almost like a riptide, pulling you farther and farther what you thought to be out in peril of some sort. How many times have you ever said this? If it's not one thing, it's another. And you couldn't catch your breath. And these one things after another just kept happening. I'm talking about life falling down like dominoes. You get to a place and you're broken in spirit and you just say, Lord, I can't do this anymore. My spiritual strength is zapped from me. Well, let me assure you that you're not alone. If that's how you feel this morning, let me tell you this. There are thousands upon thousands of other people who feel just like that. So don't feel that you are alone. And if it's any consolation to you here this morning, I want you to know that I have been at that place before myself. 
Maybe you're saying, preacher, at my age right now, I ought not to be going through what I'm going through. The place that I'm at in my life right now, after all these years of life, it would seem to me, preacher, that life would have leveled itself out. All of these experiences would be behind me. I should be in my golden years where all I can think about is the sun shining in the morning and maybe a cup of coffee at Starbucks and maybe just a nap at two o'clock and maybe a good meal at supper time and a good baseball game or a good movie at night. And preacher, I ought not to be going through what I'm going through right now at this part of my life. Well, let me say, that's exactly where David is right now when he's writing Psalm 71. David was going through a painful process. Listen carefully. Where not only one of his sons were rebelling against him, but at this particular point, David had one of his sons, Adoniah, that was trying to take David's authority away from him as being king. When I read this and I was preparing for this, I don't know if there's anything more heartbreaking for a parent than to see their child rebelling against the will of God. Because David was directed by God himself to make Solomon the next king of Israel. And Adonai, he could not care what God said. He could care less about what God wanted. And so this young man, son of David, was creating political turmoil in the family. And David now, listen, he was now an aged man. He was nearing the end of his life and he was quite elderly here when Psalm 71 is written. And we have to remember something here. Looking back on David's life under his leadership, he had brought the nation of Israel to its greatest peak in power and stability. But it was not without struggle. David so desperately wanted to build the temple. God said, no, I'm not going to let you build it. David, you're a man of war. Every time I turn around, you're in some type of a battle. You're on a scrimmage field. Something's happening. But I will have your son Solomon step in behind you and he will build the temple. If you remember, another one of David's son tried to take his throne as well. His name was Absalom. And so David, within his own household, was heartbroken with the activities of what his own children were doing. When Absalom tried to take the throne of David, and I don't have time to go through and the event this morning where his hair was caught in the thicket and so forth, but this episode ended with Absalom's death. It ended with the division of unity among the people. David was in quite dire straits. And so David's aging heart was so burdened with grief and overwhelmed with turmoil and disruption that everything was so terribly dark for him at this particular point. And it was in this storm and this disruption and interruption that he could not see his way. He was weary. He was overwhelmed. And in this setting, David writes these words while he is suffering to the inner core of his spirit. He he can't forget that David was a mighty man. He started off great. Yes, indeed, he had many victories. Saul had even said that the people were shouting that he had killed his thousands, but David had killed his ten thousands. David was a man of many victories, yet he made some horrible, terrible mistakes. And not only that, the word of God teaches us that he plummeted into sin. But I want to also remind you that as easy 
as it was for David to fall, it was just as easy for God to put him in that picture of the footprints of the sand and carry him and love him and build him back up. I'm so thankful that God is the God of second chances. How many in this room this morning are not thankful that the God of heaven is the God of second chances. I'm telling you this, I can remember in the word of God, the Bible says, even with the prophet Jonah, when he rebelled against God, when he got his heart right, the word says, and the word of the Lord came unto Jonah the second time. I can remember when Samson got into rebellion and immorality, where he had even lost his eyesight, not only his physical strength, but his eyesight. And in the end, he had a little boy hauling him around as people were making sport of him and making fun of him. And one day, Samson got his heart right with God. And he said this, oh God, if it would bring honor and glory to you. And I can only hear him say this in my mind's imagination because Samson knew that God was the God of second chances. I can see Samson now repentful and sorry for what he had done. And he said this to the little boy. He said, take me to the pillars that hold this place up. And the little boy led him to the place, to the pillars. And Samson said, put my hands upon the pillars And while people were laughing at him and making sport of him, Samson said this, I believe in a repentful heart, a shame for what he had done and the rebellion that he had brought against God and the reproach as well. He said this, oh God, one more time. One more time, oh God, let this place be shaken. God, feel me, touch me one more time. And you know the end of the story. I think about in the scripture here when Peter, he got to cussing and he got to swearing and he said, I wasn't a member of this 12 man organization. I know not the man. Let me tell you this. Shortly thereafter, Jesus was walking about the Sea of Galilee and Peter, when he repented, he repented in a sorrowful way. He was sorry for what he had done. And now Jesus is walking by the shore of the Galilee, cooking some fish for the breakfast of these disciples. Peter comes up to him and now he He's saying to Peter, Peter, lovest thou me? Three times, you know the story, but here's the amazing thing. After this man had swore, after he had cussed, after he had denied the Lord, now Jesus is standing on the banks, the shores of the Galilee, and he's saying, Peter, here's the keys of the kingdom. Feed my sheep. Aren't you glad he's the God of the second chance? Where would we all be without the God of the second chance? Right now, in this particular psalm, David's heart is broken, but his spiritual heart has been mended. He is now heartbroken with his life made right with God. He's now truly a man after God's own heart and one who now, I believe, is at the closest point in his life with God. Now old, but going through overwhelming circumstances, even in his own household, politically, as a nation as well. And now he's in his old age and he's just wanting to be held. I believe this, that in the latter years of David, he served God very faithfully. And here he was pushing with passion, I believe, to hear the words well done. And so this is the the background of Psalm 71. And perhaps to some today, You have felt like this at some point in your life. You've been so overwhelmed, you've crushed. Or perhaps maybe you're feeling like that today. Maybe there's somebody here this morning and you're saying, preacher, if you only knew 
If you only knew what I was going to face when I left this auditorium today, when I got in my car, when I got back home, if you only knew what I was going to face when I got home, if you only knew what I was going to face tomorrow on the job, if you only knew the family problems that we were dealing with, because yes, preacher, there are disruptions and interruptions going on in my life. And there just seems to be so many disturbances in my life right now. You just feel like there's one trial after another. Maybe you're, you're experiencing this thing of, of sinking deep down in despair. The fog is just too thick and life's disruptions and interruptions has made you feel like you were blind, deaf, and dumb. But I want you to listen to this. Whether that kind of thing happens to you seldom, whether it happens to you randomly, or whether it happens to you most of the time, trials and disruptions and interruptions, listen, Carol, it's, it's, a, it's a serious reality of life. Even if you were somebody like King David, you would still have some type of turmoil in your home you would still have some type of turmoil where you live with your body, with your health. And I've said this many times in this particular series already that some Christians have the odd idea that being a Christian makes them exempt from all kinds of hysteria of life. That's simply not true. I want you to listen very carefully. None of us as Christians have immunity of any kind from pain and suffering and interruptions and disruptions those kind of things come at us at any moment. They hit us from the blind side and they're relentless without mercy. It doesn't matter if you're a new convert or if you've been saved for years. We have to constantly remind ourselves that we are all imperfect human beings who are living in a fallen, sin-cursed world in a sin-cursed body among sin-cursed people. We cannot escape that. We cannot forget that. We have to realize that when these things happen in our life, our view, our perspective on things will be greatly affected if we choose to wallow in it. When David is writing these words, listen carefully. And if you're familiar with his life, you know that he's not writing as a novice. His pen is moving from firsthand experience Many of his troubles and trials, he had absolutely no control over. Some of his terrible troubles and trials was a result of his own doing. Now, let me share with you this morning. I believe there's some times in our life when we're overwhelmed and we're disrupted and we're interrupted where we physically cannot do one thing that we can think of that will alter the future, that will change things. I want to give you three simple things this morning. If you're following along in your bulletin, I want you to look at this very carefully, and I encourage you to write some notes as well. Because remember this, storm clouds, disruptions, and interruptions in your life sometimes come your way because of the ungodly people that you're surrounded with. Keep that in mind. You might say, why does this kind of thing continue to happen to me? Why does it seem like it's one thing after another? What, what am I doing wrong? Why, why does this constantly happen? I'm going to give you a couple of reasons today. Next Sunday, I'm going to bring the conclusion to this particular message. But I want you to see something in Psalm 71, verse 4. David writes this, Deliver me, O my God, out of the hand of the wicked, out of the hand of the unrighteous, 
and cruel man. And I encourage you to underline the word cruel just for a moment. Because David had some unruly people who were causing him to experience some serious anxiety in his life. And I see something in this word cruel here. David was saying that these people were not only wicked people, he is saying that they are cruel. And that implies this, that they were not only doing things themselves, but they were spreading their wickedness. They were upping the cruelty. And some of us may have to live our lives turned upside down because of unkind Christian behavior that people do and and threaten us with or or cause upon us or inflict upon us. And that may cloud your view for a while. That might uh, dim your perspective on the things of God. Sometimes when, when you have ungodly people coming against you, it may for a moment paralyze your joy. It may for a moment wound your spirit. But I assure you this, listen carefully. If you are overwhelmed today because of what ungodly people may be doing to you in your life, and you're truly seeking God and you're trying to obey him and reverence him and honor his word, I assure you this, that God in his time, he will deal with that. You don't have to do this. God will deal with those people. So listen, if you're being overwhelmed and hurt and broken in spirit by the ungodly characteristics or actions or what other people may be doing to you or saying about you, listen carefully. Don't retaliate against them. Don't lower yourself to that standard. Don't begin acting like them. Don't begin treating other people like them. I'm telling you this, you turn that over to God and let God deal with it. In Hebrews chapter 10, verse number 30, the Bible says, For we know him that hath said, Vengeance belongeth unto me. I will recompense, saith the Lord. Again, the Lord shall judge his people. Now listen, God can deal with unruly people in your life far greater than you can ever do. So let him do it. Be careful how you respond in that type of trouble and trial, disruption and interruption in your life. Number two, quickly. Storms and disruptions and interruptions can blow into your life because of an unknown future. That's better known as worry. If we let it, an unknown future can worry us to the brink of where it immobilizes us. Worry, by the way, is a tool of the devil. I can assure you this, that worry is not one of the gifts of the Spirit. The Bible teaches us that uh, God has not uh, given us the spirit of fear. Now listen, there's a verse that Paul wrote in Philippians 4, 6, and he says this, be careful for nothing. Oh, that means don't worry about things. Don't be anxious about things. Now, as human beings, preacher, are you saying that that's just totally impossible? No, I, I know we worry. I know we stress. But the advice that we have, the encouragement that we have in the scriptures, be careful for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication. With thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. Paul is saying, don't worry. In verse 9 of Psalm 71, David said this, Cast me not off in the time of old age. Forsake me not when my strength faileth. You might think the older I get, the easier it goes. But what I'm finding out is the older I get, the harder it goes. You just got to figure it out and understand this, that our response to this It's tremendous on our body, on our outlook. My dad's sitting here this morning. He's going on 91, right? 
I, I believe it was it was uh, Shem, Ham, and Japheth, and my father. Now, he's a he's a great builder. He can he can build anything he puts his mind to it. He can. I've I've let me tell you this. I've seen him in the in the frozen ground of January take a post hole digger and dig about twenty four by four posts, put them in the ground when the ground was like concrete. I've seen him build chimneys. I've seen him build rooms on houses. I've seen him build all kinds of things. He's a great builder. About two years ago, you're a little over two years with your cancer diagnosis, right? And every time I ask him, how are you doing? And and by the physician's examination and the test and everything he's doing, they can't even find it. He had uh, lymphoma, the uh, leukemia of this form of it, fastest growing that's known is what they've told him. And it's, it's the hand of God. It's a miracle. Uh, you know God's touched your body. You know that. But here's my point. Every time I've asked him from day one, going on 91 years old, how you doing, Dad? I've never one time found him under the juniper tree. Every time I've asked him, how you doing? He says, I'm feeling good. And I'm sitting over here thinking, man, could I say that if that were me? But I have seen his age develop. And I've seen him getting older by the day. He's seen me getting older by the day. We have the privilege, my mother sitting here today. Isn't that that something? that I still have the privilege of take, picking up the telephone, calling him, say, how you doing? Seeing him in church, saying, how you doing? We, we can talk. And I've watched him get older by the day. And I've never heard him say, I'm so sick of this, I don't know what to do. I'm so tired of this, I don't know what to do. I've always heard him say, I'm doing good. I hope that the older I get, that I can, that I would walk in his shoes. I would walk in his steps. That I could continually say that because I know that he's been a champion of that. David now is getting older in his life. He's in a place now where his his age is much older. His body is more weary, and he begins to worry. That's another thing about my dad. Problems come up, my way, his way, your way. This is what he says, always. It'll all work out. It'll all work out. I don't know because we're all different and we all respond to problems and situations differently. The storm that David was dealing with, he's dealing with it here. Listen, this, this storm here, it had no face, it had no words. He's worried about aging. He's worried about getting older now because he's got this turmoil in his family. He's got the turmoil in the nation of Israel. 
And the older we get, the greater possibility, for sure, I can tell you this, the greater possibility that we're going to have more so than not as we start breaking down in different areas of our life. Man, I've got some arthritis in my back. I didn't, I didn't know that I could spell that word six months ago. As some of you here, you know what that's all about. I mean, we're having knees replaced. We're having shoulders replaced. We're having rotator cuffs and back surgeries and kidney stones. I mean, we're breaking down. You say, preacher, that don't sound too good. It ain't. <laughs> it really ain't. But I will tell you what. Our response to these things has a great deal to do with it. Now, look at this. Things, the older we get, could slowly begin to alter or change our life forever. David viewed his old age as a storm. It was a distraction to him. He was beginning to worry. That doesn't usually happen to young folks. But in David's life, it was beginning to happen. Number three, real quickly here, let me share with this. Sometimes storms or disruptions or interruptions can blow in our way because of family members. In Psalm 71, verse 10 through 13, look at this. For mine enemies speak against me, and we have to be careful. We study the scripture and know exactly who he was talking about. That's why it's important to know the who, what, when, where, and how. For my enemies speak against me, and they that late, uh, lay wait for my soul take counsel together, saying, God hath forsaken him, pers persecute and take him, for there is none to deliver him. O oh God, be not far from me. O oh my God, make haste for my help. Let them be confounded and consumed that are adversaries to my soul, let them be covered with reproach and dishonor that seek my hurt. And without question now, listen, David has now come to a place where he's facing some storms where even you might be facing some of those right now. And they are in direct result of people who were in his own family. Who are these people that David's talking about? The adversaries here, listen, were not the Philistines. They were not the Amalekites. They were not the Perizzites. They were people within his own circle. And among them were two of his own sons who was causing all this trouble. And sometimes the deepest wounds in our life is created from the people that we have done the most for, the people that we are closest to. Some of you know the pain and the heartache of that. And there are no words that are as painful than this and wounds caused by the ones that we love and we thought we think we can trust. So let me give you real quickly here, just for the sake of conversation, only four, and I can give you many more, but you've got some blanks on your paper here, and I want you to write these in today so your bulletin will be complete when you leave this morning. Storms, interruptions, and disruptions can come into our life, listen, by, by, by enemies that we have, or by friends, or by family, or in this particular case, in David's own personal aging. So what can we do as a child of God? How, how can we recognize the truth, the anchor holes in this type of trouble and turmoil and let this penetrate your heart? There are special lessons that we can learn as parents and children. One important lesson is this, and, and you have to get this down. Not every lesson of life can be learned in a textbook. I love to study. I study every day. But what I've come to learn in my life is this, that not every one of my life lessons has been learned in the textbook. Some of the lessons that I've learned has come from the burned fingers and skid knees along the way. 
Sometimes as parents, listen carefully, when it's time for practical lessons to be learned in the lives of our children, it's a painful process. I understand that. I get it. I've had three. As loving parents, how many times have we ever found ourselves pacing the floor? Some of you have. In fact, some of us have paced the floor together. We've been praying intently as we watch our children go through some of the anguishing things of life. And maybe, yes, maybe they brought some of these things foolishly upon themselves. We know this, that the experience that they're going through, on the other side of it, it has the potential, the possibility to make them much stronger and to make them much wiser. But we have to, as parents, remain close to their side so we can lead and we can guide them until the storm is over. So I want you to understand this, that God sometimes allows clouds, interruptions, disruptions to swell over our lives for the purpose of making us stronger and better in his family for his work and his will. He never does this to make this. Listen, when we have troubles and problems in our life, we do every day. Understand one thing about God. God is not trying in this process to make us and mold us into what is called chronic complainers. God's not trying to make you a chronic complainer. God's not trying to afflict your life to the place where you want to curse God and die. He's not doing that. There's a plan and a purpose that God is working out, and you may not know what it is right now. When storms roll in your life and disruptions dim your view, and you wonder where is God, never forget this, that he's still on the throne. And he will always be, no matter what the devil does to you, no matter what your affliction may be, no matter what your trial is, I want you to assure the devil, if it's the devil that's coming against you, you assure him that you're a child of God. If your circumstances are overwhelming, you look your circumstances straight in the face and say, I am a child of God. I cannot control this, but I know one who can. I know somebody that can take this dark valley in my life and turn it upside down and make the sun shine again. Always remember the character of God. He's promised that he will never leave us nor forsake us, and he will keep his word. I want our musicians to come forward, and I want to say this. In Psalm 71, verse 1, look at this. David said, in thee, O Lord, do I put my trust. Let me never be put to confusion. I want you to see what David did to encourage himself in the overwhelming circumstances of his life. In Psalm 71, verse 8, look at this. Because now David begins to remember the glory of God. Let my mouth be filled with thy praise and with honor all the day. See, David knew God to be Jehovah Jireh. He knew God to be Elohim, El Shaddai. He knew him to be Adonai, the great I am. David not only began to remember about the glory of God, but he also began to remember the power and strength of God. In Psalm 71, verse 18, Now also when I'm old and gray-headed, Oh God, forsake me not until I've showed thy strength unto this generation and thy power to everyone that has come. So David, what he does in the midst of his pain and overwhelming sorrow, he begins to reflect on the goodness and kindness of God. He remembers the glory of God. He remembers the power and strength of God. And he also remembers the truth and the holiness of God. In verse 22, I will praise thee with the palsy. That's a harped string instrument. Even thy truth, O my God, unto thee will I sing with the harp, O thy holy one of Israel. So hold on to this truth in your life. When you're overwhelmed and disruptions are pulling you down, 
Hold on to this truth. Things may be bad. These things may get worse. But God is always in control. Never forget that. Always remember that God is always up to something when the storm clouds blow in our life. We may not know what it is, but God does. Pray this prayer. When you're overwhelmed, you cannot see the light of day. God, whatever it is, don't let this storm go to waste. Use this for your honor. Use it for your glory. Life may never be easy, but it can be victorious. Listen to this. God knows how to walk in the lion's den. Jesus knows how to be the fourth man in the fire. And the Holy Spirit knows how to show up in a muddy rushing wind. You listen to Pastor Tony Cahoot. For more information, visit our website at BufordRoadBaptistChurch.com.